So I'm a scientist. And I'm not, but I'm curious about science. She asks a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions. And it's always fun for me to explain complex science in understandable ways. So So we we made made a podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of So I Married a Scientist. I'm Corey, the scientist. And I'm Mel, the not scientist. We are an actual married couple, and we enjoy talking about science. Talk about it all the time. All the time. We will have an upcoming episode explaining more about us so you can get to know us a little better. But for now, we're going to dive straight into our first topic. Here we go. All right, Mel, so what do we have for us this week? So I would like to talk about buoyancy buoyancy yeah buoyancy all right so out of all of the topics in (laughs) science to do our first episode on yeah our debut episode debut you want to talk about buoyancy buoyancy this is about the duck house isn't it it is about the duck house how did you know (laughs) all right so we're gonna need some context for that all right so we live in tennessee on the river it's wonderful Our landlord's great. He likes to keep things fun for people who live here. So at Easter time this year, he did something that apparently is a Tennessee tradition. He brought home six baby ducks from the tractor supply, which we thought was hilarious. And they were so cute. And all of the neighbors and us banded together. And we raised these adorable ducks until they were very large ducks. And they outgrew their cage. And we thought, hey, let's build them a duck house, but not just any duck house. This would be a floating duck house, the Taj Mahal of duck houses. Actually, we can like put a picture on our Instagram page. Yeah. If you want to see it, it's beautiful. If I do say so myself, it was going to be handcrafted and painted beautiful colors and it's going to have a disco ball. And well, most of that happened. Most of it, it all happened. All of that happened. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so But before it happened, Corey had to get involved, which you did not want to get involved. I definitely did not want to get involved. Yeah. These ducks had started taking up a lot of time to care for, and Corey was just over the ducks. So the neighbors and I drafted these duck house plans, and we drew them out, and then I put them on the computer, and they were beautiful. Wouldn't you say they were were professional quality blueprints? They were beautiful blueprints. You could definitely build something with these blueprints. Yes. I had nothing wrong with the blueprint portion of the plan. Yeah. But I approached Corey and I said, Hey, Corey, will you just double check my calculations to make sure all of the angles are right and the lengths and widths are right? And he said, Did you calculate the buoyancy? And I said, No. <laughs> yeah. So I could tell pretty immediately that there were some things that were overlooked in the initial plans from a floating standpoint. It was definitely going to work out. If it were on land. If it were on land. But, you know, I just thought magically that since wood floats, then the whole thing should float. So if I can describe it, it was like a very large wood platform, like five feet by five feet. And then the house would be above it. And in order to get the whole thing to float, we were going to put some PVC pipe on the bottom underneath the platform. So PVC pipe, that plumbing pipe that's white and plastic with the elbows, that stuff. So (laughs) we did not account for the weight of the duck house. And in Corey's words, we were about to build Duck Titanic. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't working out so well when you actually did the math. No. So 
the theory was there. You did have some sort of flotation element. Yes, we did. You just didn't have enough of it. We didn't have enough and, of it. And, you know, I said it was going to be Duck Titanic. That was probably a little bit overstated because some of the house probably would have floated. Some of it. Just not to the level that the platform would be above water and usable. Yeah. So Corey remade these plans, which first involved all of the complex calculations in an Excel spreadsheet, including line items of each of the ducks by name and their approximate weights. And I think you were doing this on a Saturday night. This was an entire Saturday night. And you were like, I really didn't think my Saturday night would include Googling how much ducks weigh. Between two and a half and four pounds, if anyone's interested. And these are large ducks. So, you these know, are we need, pretty large ducks. We need yeah. extra flotation to account for these ducks not stepping on the house and having it sink on them. So, anyway, he redid the calculations and then he redid the blueprints in PowerPoint, which, if you listen to our About Us episode, you will know that Corey loves PowerPoint so much that he told me so on our first date and it was the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. There's so a special much. place in my heart for PowerPoint. It's and true. I gave you an opportunity to use PowerPoint, so... On a Saturday night? You're welcome. What else could you possibly be doing that was better than that? Can't think of a single thing. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Okay, so clearly buoyancy is something that I completely overlooked, mostly overlooked, and something that I probably take for granted. So I understand the concept of floating. Obviously, I've floated before. I've seen things float You know, I've put ice cubes in my drink and they float. I've seen Benny float. Benny's our dog. He loves to swim. So I understand the idea of floating, but I think I don't actually understand the physics of how it works. So can you tell me about that? Yeah. So floating is basically a wrestling match that happens at the surface of the water. And if you think of it that way, you have gravity trying to pull you all the way down to the bottom of the lake or river Ah. and you have water saying nope i'm gonna push back on you and keep you to the top okay now who wins depends on the density of the object versus the density of the water Ah. so if you have something that's less dense than the water you're gonna float if you have something that's more dense than water you're gonna sink so basically it all has to do with density so density meaning how heavy something is so how heavy something is relative to its volume so if you have Mm. something like a rock that has a lot of mass in you know a very small small volume okay you could probably think of a float you know that you float on the pool or lake being the same weight if not more weight than some of the small rocks that you would throw in there but it has so much more volume that it keeps it on the surface. Oh, okay. How does it know? <laughs> What's the difference between the vol? What, what makes the volume more significant? Yeah. So it's all about displacement. So if you have a even really heavy object, like a big cruise liner or a big cargo ship, you can float as long as you're displacing enough water to counteract the weight of the boat. Displacing means just moving it Just aside. moving it to the side. Yeah, so if you have, let's say, a 200,000-pound boat, something that you wouldn't really expect to float because it weighs 200,000 pounds. That's very heavy. That's very heavy. But as, it's also very big. But it's also very big. As long as you are displacing enough water with your volume to move aside more than 200,000 pounds of water, you'll stay on the surface. Why? 
because your relative density, weight versus volume, is less than the water below you. Okay. So now, if you take on water, if you get a hole in the boat, or if water comes over the side, you know, you're adding weight to the system, but you're not adding volume, so you're more likely to sink. So you're giving gravity a leg up, and buoyancy is going down, so you're going to go down. Right, so gravity is eventually going to win. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so so great big boats. Yep. What about in olden times before they could calculate these things with math? Because we've been sh- sailing ships like since very early in human history. Sure. Before maybe even before we had systems of math. So how did how did they know that something could float if they build a big boat? Yeah. So if you think about it, the most primitive boats out there were like hollowed out canoes, mm-hmm. right? So we established that wood floats normally. Wood floats. So basically the way that these boats were created was you take a big log that would float anyway, right? Because the density of wood is less than the density of water. Yeah. And then you remove some of the top, so you're making it actually less dense yeah. because the amount of volume that you're actually displacing is the same because the bottom of the log is the same size, but the weight is less. So whatever weight you take out of the log you can put things in. Like a person. Or cargo. Or you're fishing nuts. Right. Or your extra food or drinkable water. So as long as you replace Fire you know, equipment, enough of the tools, wood inside, pets. you can get things to float in it. Okay, so how about humans? So humans are relatively dense, but we're also large enough that we can float, most of us, unless you're like super muscly. I hear like bodybuilders have a hard time floating, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So body weight is about 70% water. So 70% is going to be neutral to water, right? So then we have other things like your lungs have air in them. That's going to be, you know, much less dense than the water. You have fat, which tends to float on water. And then that counteracts the bones and muscles and other parts of your body that would tend to sink. So Hmm. the kind of equation, I guess if you put it all together, makes us slightly less dense than water, as long as we have some air in our lungs. If you've ever been floating in a pool and you take a deep breath, you can feel yourself kind of rising in the water a little bit. Whereas if you kind of let all your breath out, you can feel yourself sinking. So we're actually pretty close to the density of water. We used to play that game in the pool as kids where you you dive down and you blow all your breath and then you sit on the bottom of the pool and pretend to have a tea party. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did you ever do that? Yeah. yeah. That's because you've made yourself slightly more dense than the water. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy to think if humans were a lot more heavy relative to our size, we wouldn't be able to swim. Right. Wow. That's, that's crazy Like to think about a world with like no swimming at all. Yeah. Or... Or... What if water itself was just a lot less dense and like we just had trouble floating most things on it? We wouldn't have boats, right? Yeah. So if you had a liquid that was less dense than water, so there are liquids out there that are less dense than water. They tend to be a lot colder. So water's unique in that at the temperatures that we live at, it's liquid, which is part of the reason why Earth is one of the few planets out there that can support life like ours. But you could have liquid hydrogen, which would be very, very low density, in which case it would be very difficult to float many things on it. You would have to displace a ton of volume. And that all has to do with the molecular structure and how heavy each one of those molecules is. 
So how heavy a molecule is, is like the size of the atoms and how they're all put together in the molecule and how big the molecule is, right? right. And then and how densely they pack relative to other molecules and all that kind of stuff. And when they're a gas form, like this is why you don't use the word buoyancy for like an airplane. You would never say that airplane's really buoyant unless the airplane was sitting on water. Well, if you thought of a gas as a fluid then you still have density issues that make it rise versus fall. Oh, is this how hard, so hot air like balloons So helium work? balloons are less dense than the nitrogen-rich air, so they go up. So what it's still about density. Okay. What about hot air balloons? And then they put the warm air. So hot air is less dense than cold air, which is why if you heat up the balloon using the kind of flame thrower thing that they got in there, you'll go up. But you wouldn't say that a hot air balloon is more buoyant in that moment, would you? Is that, the, is that a word you would use for air? It's generally not used for air. For air, yeah. But just for liquid. And obviously not a solid because you can't float in a solid. Right. Yeah. You just sit on top of the solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about ice? Because ice is a solid that floats on a liquid. Yeah. So an interesting component of water is that when it goes into its ice form, it actually becomes less dense. That makes no sense right. to me. So in order to understand that, it really has to do with how the molecules of water interact with each other. So if you think of a water molecule as a little mini magnet, because it's polar, so it has a positive end and a negative end. And how those interact plays a big part in how dense the whole system is. So the world has poles. Yes, yeah, so the Earth has two poles. And water molecules have poles. Yes. But those are different things. Correct. Okay. So a water molecule is kind of like a little V-shape, where the point of the V is an oxygen, and the two tips of the V are hydrogens. Okay. And because the oxygen is very greedy, it steals some of the electron potential from the hydrogens and makes them slightly positive and the oxygen is slightly negative. So that makes a pole that's kind of like a magnet. And when it's in liquid form, there's still enough movement where they can move around around each other pretty stably. So the Vs are spinning around. They're all spinning around there. all over the place and they yeah. can pack pretty densely when okay. that's happening. Okay. When they slow down and become ice, they lock into this lattice configuration that actually spreads them out and holds the negative charges next to the positive charges in a very structured way. And that makes the whole thing a little bit less dense than when they're in water. Oh, because it like has like space in between the little things, right. the little Vs? So all the little oh. Vs kind of stack and arrange themselves in a systematic lattice-like way, and that forces them to be a little bit further apart. Oh, that's that actually why, made sense to me. There you go. Thank you. Yeah, so that's why if you put like a closed water bottle in the freezer and it freezes, you could break the water bottle because it expands because it becomes less dense. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so that's why it floats, because it's just less dense it's than water. It's less dense than water, yeah. And it's very important that that happens, right, for sustaining life on the planet. Yeah, what would happen if the Vs didn't stack in that certain way, and they're all mishmashed and, like, more dense, and then the ice would sink? Right. And then what would happen? In the wintertime, you would get cases where the ice forms on the surface of the water because the air is cooler than the water, and then you have these big sheets of ice going down and crushing all the fish and life that formed in there oh that's 
pretty wild to think about. Okay, so this is how, let me just see if I can get this straight. Relative mass to volume density. and is density. Mm -hmm. And density in relation to the density of water means something sinks or floats based on how much water it's dispersing. Dis dis displacing. 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 Okay, that's how we can build huge boats out of metal and things that are very heavy because they displace enough water. Correct. Y you know, so that's why like the bottoms of boats are never solid. They're always going to be hollow. Right. And they go way under the water to displace tons of water. Exactly. Oh, it's fascinating. Yep. So is water always the same density? Always? No. If so there are frozen? a few things that can change how dense water is. So if you think about going down in the ocean to really big depths, all of the pressure from the weight of the water on top of it actually causes smooshes. the water to be higher pressure down below. Water smooshes itself. So it's actually easier to float the lower down you are because... It's more dense. It's it, more dense because it's all kind of compacted because of all the pressure on top. So it's harder to go deeper. It's harder to go deeper. And if you've ever gone more than 10 or 15 feet down in a lake or a river, you'll feel your eardrums kind of having pressure on them. Oh, I that's, hate that feeling. That's because the water is... Smooshing you. Yeah, it's higher pressure down there. Yeah. So then how do submarines work? Because they can float or they can sink. Yeah, so submarines are a really interesting case study because they manipulate their buoyancy through specialized systems. So they have specialized tanks on board that are for either air or water, depending on where they want to float in the water column. Yeah. So when they're floating on the surface, these tanks are completely filled with air. And then in order to dive, they pump water into the tanks, and that allows them to go down. It makes them heavier. Right. So then Less, they... More dense, not heavier. Makes them more dense, correct. Yeah. Well, it makes them heavier, and because the volume didn't change, it makes them more dense. Okay. And that allows them to find a kind of sweet spot where they're neutrally buoyant to the water. Their density is the same as the water, and that would allow them just to sit there. So they're constantly adjusting how much air or water they've got on them. Right. So they have these compressed air tanks on board that they can force back into the tanks to push the water back out and then go up, or they can take on more water to go down. Yeah. And when they're you know, cruising around underneath the water, they want to be slightly negatively buoyant because they have these little fins on their submarine that kind of work like an airplane in that they provide lift. So when they're just cruising around, they're slightly negatively buoyant to the water. So when you say negatively, just, that means like they would, if they stopped they would moving, sink. they would sink. Oh. But they're relying on this lift. I heard sharks are like that too. Yeah. How do fish do it? Yeah. So fish have a swim bladder that works very similarly. So it's just this organ in the middle of their body that they can inflate or deflate to go up or down. It's like an anti-lung. What about whales when they have the like the column of like... That goes so that's like, just them breathing. That's just, but how come all this stuff comes out? Well, they take on some water, but it's mostly just, you know, before they get to the surface of the water, they blow out really fast and that just makes the spout. I used to be terrified of whales as a child. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. I was like two years old and I would just like go to my parents crying every night because I thought there was a whale in my bedroom. In your bedroom? They, could, they couldn't 
managed to explain to me for like several months that whales are way too big to fit in my room. Or they just don't live on land. There's a lot of things wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I would just, um, I would just cry. I would be like, there's a whale in there. It's going to get me. I must have heard the story of Jonah or something as a kid. Killer whale? Or was no, just it just like, like a normal a, blue whale. Like a blue humpback? Like yeah, a just a whale. Filter feeding, there. baleen, ferocious whale. I was just convinced that if I stepped out of my bed, then a whale. I mean, you know, maybe my parents facilitated this a little bit because I think I like tried to stay up all the time. Mm. I was that kid who like got up eight different times at night was like, oh, I need some water. I need some bread. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm not scared of whales anymore, which is nice. What about scuba divers? How come? Because they have like a fixed amount of air in their little backpack thingies. So scuba divers do wear a weight belt. And they also have... Which increases their density. Which increases their density. But they also have these little little compartments in their suit that can fill with air to make them a little bit more buoyant. So they have the weight vest that's pulling them down, but then they also can divert some of the air from their tank into their suit to make them less dense. Okay, but like mid-dive, you can't just take off your weight belt. Well, I mean, if you, you could if you really wanted to. But you can't adjust that like a submarine, right? You wouldn't be taking off the weight vest. You would be putting air into your suit. You could put air into your suit actively. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is there anything to be said, though, for like scuba divers have those really long fins and they just paddle themselves down? Well, yeah. So even if they were going to sink a little bit, they could just swim up to the surface. Yeah. But can they swim down? Like, to oh, what certainly. To yeah. what degree with your movement can you overcome the forces of buoyancy? Like, I think Benny, our dog, might sink if he didn't swim. Yeah, so <laughs> as as he's paddling, he's definitely putting an upward force with his paws. So yeah, it does does help a little bit. If we attached wings to Benny and let him go swimming and he could swim fast enough, could he take off into flight? No. <laughs> Why not? But there are systems like hydrofoils. If you've ever seen these you have a surfboard and then you have a little fin underneath it and if you get going fast enough you'll actually elevate up on the fin oh yeah i've seen that and that's because of the lift of the water as you're going through it but that's not buoyancy anymore that's the lift from the fin but it seems like it might have something to do with buoyancy because like if the fin is angled slightly up or something like you're shoving more water underneath the fin and less water above the fin and you go up yeah, so that's just a lift force. That's just a lift force. But because you're reducing the volume, but you're keeping the weight the same. So that's why it's not related to buoyancy. Because you're not increasing volume or changing the weight. So that's why it's not related to buoyancy. Okay, gotcha. All right, so other things that impact buoyancy would be the density of the water itself. So salt water is more dense than fresh water because the salt molecules in the water actually increase the density. There's more stuff in there. There's more stuff in there. Same volume, more yeah. stuff, more weight, more density. Is there such a thing as putting something in water that makes it less dense, even though there's more stuff in there, but it's less dense? Hmm, that's a good question. If you heat the water, it's less dense. Because the molecules are like, oh, get away from me. Bit. Yeah. Like that? They go faster and they expand a little bit. They go faster. Yeah. So <laughs> hot water sits on cold water, which is why if you've ever been swimming in a lake during those times when there's temperate changes, 
if you go down below a certain point, it gets really cold Colder. down there. Yeah. So is like heating water, is it like giving a bunch of kids at a birthday party sugar and they're just like, ah, and the energy level goes up and then. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that analogy works from a science standpoint. I don't think but it works. if it helps you, It's just we'll what I was thinking it. about. We'll kids in a it. bounce house bouncing around and we were talking about bouncy molecules. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely more energy in the system. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But if you think of things like the Dead Sea, for instance, which is like 30% salt. Where is that again? In the Middle East? In the Middle East. Yeah. But yeah, there you're very buoyant. So if you were floating in the Dead Sea, you would feel very strange because you're basically just elevated on this water it's i've heard that's dense. a trippy experience i've heard it's very trippy it'd be yeah. really fun to go to the dead sea there you go yeah so so this might be a silly question <laughs> as if none of my other questions were silly first silly question yeah here we go so we live on the river here and we see these big river barges because mm-hmm. we're on the tennessee river so these huge barges like they're basically like trains but on water but like probably four ti- five times as wide as a train yeah. I would say huge. We're carrying cargo and all kinds of stuff. If you were going to take that same barge under the ocean, would you have to make adjustments to the design because the salt water is more dense or is it? It's actually ad- helping you in that point. Oh, okay. You would okay. be more buoyant in the sea versus the river. Okay. So you couldn't, could you necessarily take a, a sea ship, a ship for the sea and put it on fresh river? Fresh you water. could, as long as you made sure that you were okay. So the ocean is about 3 or 4% more dense than freshwater, so, so it wouldn't make a more. huge difference. Okay. Um, but if you've ever been next to a really big cruise ship or a really big cargo ship, you'll notice that on their hull, they have a line or a series of lines, and that tells them how much is below the surface, and that would allow them to know which part of the river they would be able to navigate. Okay, so if you had a boat and you packed it to the gills yeah. and this boat was just completely 100% full, you could not put another pound of something, uh, of fish or whatever you got on your boat. Right. And you're up to the top line Yes. on your boat. And then you try to take that boat and sail it up the river, you're sinking. Not necessarily. What? It just makes it really unstable. So oh, you go tippy tippy. Because you get very top heavy. So when you're really top heavy, then you, you know, one small wave at that point might tip you over, in which case you're going to take on water and then you're definitely going to sink. That happened to me earlier today. Did it? Yeah. I took Benny paddleboarding, which paddleboarding, set boarding, paddleboarding, it's those boards that kind of look like big surfboards and you stand up and you Mm -hmm. have a paddle and you row like a gondolier. Sometimes I sing songs when I'm on there. I've trained Benny to go with me. So he'll sit on the board and then we'll play fetch in the water. It's pretty great. But um, I stood up on the board and I did not realize that a boat had come by a few minutes earlier and there was a wake coming. There were some little waves. And even on a boat like that, it's so, hey, now I can say in terms of buoyancy. There you go. The water it's displacing in this little board trying to hold a human body is very low. So it's going to be tippy tippy. So I stood up on the board, the weight came, and then I was in the water because I was top heavy. Is that what it was? So you probably feel much more stable when you are by yourself than when you were with Benny. Yes. And that's because... I'm more dense. You're more dense and you're more top heavy. Yeah. So the combination makes it much less stable for you to navigate. When I stand up on that board and Benny is with me and then he jumps off, 
pretty much almost every time I'm almost in the water. Right. Pretty much almost every, almost. I'm getting good at it though. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's good core strength. It is. It's a very yeah. good exercise. So sometimes when we're on the river, I see these little bugs and they land on the water and they don't sink at all. Yeah. Because they're very small and I assume that has something to do with surface tension. Yeah. So right? surface tension is a related but kind of unique principle. The bugs are pretty low density to begin with, but that's not the only thing coming into play. So if you know the water striders with the really long legs, yeah. so they're floating for a couple of reasons. And it's not so much that they're floating because they actually do sit on the top of the water. Yeah. So they haven't broken the surface of the water, and that's because of surface tension. Does all liquid have surface tension? So water, because of those poles that we were talking about, yeah. has stronger surface tension than most liquids. So the little V molecules. Yes. The two little tippies, the V ends, yeah, the are poles. positive, yeah, positively the, the charged. The H ends are positively positive, charged. Positive, and the O part is H2O. negative. H2O. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you getting it. Nailed it. I'm I'm a professional yep. scientist. scientist. And then negative. Okay, so then the surface tension at the surface of the water, right. is the water molecules doing something different? Are they doing something different? Yeah, so they're basically just interacting with other water molecules along that surface and but what is it yeah so it's basically the fact that the water molecules want to stick to each other more than it wants to allow something to get in between them oh they really don't want to have anything break them apart they're like friends they're little friends oh yeah. that's cute so because you have all of these water molecules that are polar on the surface trying to turn really hard to stay together they don't want to have anything break them. Like now, itty if you bitty have a, magnets? Yeah. So if you oh. have a really dense thing, like a rock, yeah. you're going to pretty easily break through those. Or like a Benny. He just goes splashing or, or right through Or like a Benny. There. Yeah. 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 So anything that is, you know, much more dense than water is going to pretty easily break through. Yeah. Now, bugs, like those water bugs, are pretty low density. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes it better is that their legs are hydrophobic. So they have these specialized components that make them really not want to mix with water. Oh. So it actually makes those surface tension principles even stronger because it's like oil on water. Why is it called phobic? Doesn't that mean afraid of yes. water? Yes. So they're afraid of water. The bugs are afraid of water. So their legs are hydrophobic. They're made up of molecules that are water fearing. Why? Because they're How does it work? not polar. So water being polar wants to interact with other molecules that are polar to achieve stability. If you have nonpolar molecules like lipids and fat, this is why oil floats. Oh. So if you ever have cooking oil, it's oil made up and of water. Lipids. lipids. Those are nonpolar molecules that don't want to mix with the water. They're like, you guys are weird. Get out of here with your So water poles. just loves being polar. Salt ions are polar because they're charged so they can help with the stability of the water. What does charged mean? So those negative and positive. That's a charge. Those are charged. Okay. Like magnets. Like magnets. Oh. Because something with electrons. Yes. We'll have to go into electrons in another episode. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we should say about buoyancy? I don't know. Any other questions? I think we covered everything that I had questions about. Okay. I mean, it's just kind of cool to think like, you know, if we lived on a different planet where water had a different density or water wasn't the main thing on this earth, you know, how, how different life would be. 
And maybe life wouldn't even be possible without not just water, but the specific chemical and physical properties of water in its liquid form in this particular place in the solar system. This is just mind blowing. If you think about it, buoyancy, like we started this episode and I was like, okay, I'm really gonna be able to talk about this for more than like five minutes, but it's really mind blowing to think about buoyancy and how much it impacts our lives. Yeah. So if you get down to just even in our bodies, each individual cell has water inside of it. If the density of that water was any different, then your proteins wouldn't float the right way and your cell would just be much different and we likely wouldn't have the type of life that we have on this planet. Amazing. I love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are so glad to have you part of this conversation. If you have any questions that you want to ask or if you want to you know, give us an idea for a future episode, you can email us at soimarriedascientist at gmail.com or you can visit our website at soimarriedascientist.com. You can see all our social media stuff. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Patreon and all the things. So we're very glad that you're part of this. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Music by Lemonfest. Logo and marketing by Cambridge Creative Group. Edited and produced by Corey and Mel. See you next time. <laughs>